Bang! Welcome to episode 77 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast. This is, of course, a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. Now, if you're a returning listener, welcome back. And if you're not, then allow me to introduce myself. I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM on all socials. So why not give me a follow on Instagram and Twitter? And of course, reach out to me on Twitter as well. Give me topics, questions, comments, concerns, inquiries, whatever you've got for the show as they relate to Overwatch, Overwatch 2, uh, the Overwatch beta, the Overwatch League whatever you've got video game related uh bring it to me there on twitter send me a dm tweet at me whatever you've got bring it to me on twitter at sir drjm i would love to interact with you and of course bring your questions comments whatever they are to the show now of course this week we have a huge action-packed show so Let's get in there. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, and all that jazz. And, of course, if you enjoy what you hear here, then you can also check me out over on the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant, as we take a spin every week around the Overwatch League and what's going on there. Now, as I mentioned, tons of news to cover. Of course, we've got some player movement, uh, some signings, some releasings, uh, whatever you want to call it there. We've also, of course, got a big media content production partner announcement that just broke today. And then, of course, we've got a huge Overwatch 2 roundup to go over about all the exciting details that were announced for Overwatch 2 this past week. So, without further ado, let's dive on in. That's a star performance. All right. So, of course, normally the way we do this is we basically cover the news week to week, day to day. We go in sequential order. So from the previous episode to the next episode, uh, we basically just go through the days of the week and hit any big stories that have dropped about the Overwatch League, about Overwatch, Overwatch 2, Overwatch Beta, etc., etc. This week, of course, uh, or between my previous episode, episode 76, and this one, episode 77, you did, of course, have the Overwatch 2 reveal live stream where they had a big event to announce a ton of information about Overwatch 2. So, of course, that was on June 16th, which would have been just after you heard episode 76. So what we're actually going to do this week is we're going to cover some of the stories from around the uh, the League and uh, Overwatch around the web over this past week. Then we'll actually dive into a Overwatch 2 roundup. So... Let's get in there because I'm sure what everyone wants to talk about is the Overwatch 2 news. So, our first news story is going to take us over to .esports.com with an article by Liz Richardson, which reads, Florida Mayhem adds support RuPaul, drops tank, Adam. Days before the Overwatch League's mid-season Madness tournament qualifiers are set to begin, the Florida Mayhem is mixing up its roster in major ways. The team announced today that it's adding flex support Rupal Zaman, formerly of Redbird Esports, to its roster. He'll be filling a support slot left by veteran flex Kareev, who will be moving into a coaching position. Rupal is a talented North American rookie to join the Overwatch League out of the collegiate scene this year. He played on notable teams in the Overwatch contender circuit like Noble and Revival before joining Redbird Esports, the varsity team for Illinois State University that routinely brings home championships. With Kareev moving on to a, head, onto a coaching position, Rupal will likely share flex support duties with Sir, Ma, Sir Majed, who's been the Mayhem's primary choice in the role most of the year. Hidden in the Twitter replies of Rupal's announcement, the Mayhem also revealed that off-tank Adam Soong has been released. He was picked up by Florida for the 2022 season after weathering a difficult year due to the Los Angeles Valiants restructuring. During the kickoff clash qualifiers and tournament, the team decided to run someone as its sole tank. Adam responded to the situation on Twitter, saying the Mayhem was, quote, trying to hide his release without the actual announcement. The Mayhem's tweet also confirmed that hitscan expert XE has finally made it to Florida to be with his teammates for in-person practice. After being acquired by the team in April, XE has been dealing with visa and travel issues while trying to get from South Korea to the U.S. So there you go, uh, some action on the Florida Mayhem front. Now, of course, uh, this has developed a little bit further since obviously this article was dropped. Um, although Liz does mention Adam kind of jumping in there to say... Uh, he, he put out a tweet, quote, tweeting the Florida Mayhem's announcement about all of this, saying, you guys didn't have the respect to drop me in person, and now you're trying to hide it within without an actual announcement. Come on. So he was obviously a little salty about the way this all was announced. Um, there, you know, the, the, the image that they released on Twitter highlights just a ton of stuff. It's got uh, Kareev moving into coaching. It's got Rupal being signed. 
Um, it's be, got Adam being released. It's got information about Exe. So it's almost like they tried to kind of pack all this stuff into one, kind of package the good around the bad, which is, of course, Adam being dropped. And he obviously took issue with that um, on Twitter. Now, Albert Yeh, the GM of the Florida Mayhem, did come out afterwards, and he he kind of made a statement. He put out a twit longer, uh, basically saying, yeah, you know, well, we should have done better. We should have been better. Um, we did, in fact, you know, talk to Adam. He was aware this was happening, um, but we we could have communicated better and, and more appropriately. So good on, good on Albert and good on the organization for owning up to that. Um, obviously, the mistake shouldn't have happened in the first place. They could have definitely uh, pumped him up uh, a little bit more, um, especially given, you know, Adam's situation. He was, uh, you know, uh, sort of an exciting pickup when he was grabbed by the Valiant. And then, of course, that Valiant roster that he was added to imploded um, and the team entirely moved to uh to china to play in the eastern region and that whole roster was dropped which was unfortunate and it was very surprising to see him come back and get signed by florida but then obviously we have not seen a lot of him um i don't have too much insight to provide on this i know uh, like i say i know adam seems a little salty there um obviously you know he could have approached that situation a little bit differently there's a good chance that you know with him being dropped from the roster and everything, he probably, you know, has a visa just to be over if he's playing. And as he's not playing anymore, he now has to make his way back to Australia, which is too bad for him. Hopefully there was, you know, an opportunity provided to him to kind of shop him around, see if anyone was interested in picking him up or anything like that. Um, it does strike me that, you know, hey, maybe the Vancouver Titans might be interested. Granted, that would be a Canadian visa, not an American visa, but I digress. Anyways, uh, sad to see Adam go, even if we didn't really get to see him play. I would have liked to see what he brought to the table. But obviously, teams are teams, and uh, the org made decisions um, and wanted to play someone over Adam. So maybe that says something about what how his performance was. Anyways, building off that, Kareev moving into a coaching role. Um, that's exciting for myself, simply because I'm, I am I did enjoy Kareev. I thought he was a pretty top-tier player when he was at his peak. Um Exciting to see him progressing, moving on, developing himself, obviously. And then, of course, RuPaul being signed. I'm not sure if it's RuPaul or RuPaul, but uh, seeing him come across is also exciting as well, seeing movement coming up from the collegiate scene. So, And, of course, good news, Xy's finally over. And we actually did see Xy play a couple, uh, a couple maps, if I'm not mistaken. I know he definitely played against the Toronto Defiant um, on, I can't remember if it was Saturday or Sunday, uh, but in one of those games. So good to see Xy back in the game. Now, let's move on to our next story, which is going to keep us at .esports.com. And this time, we're actually going to stick with Liz Richardson as well with an article on June 15th, which reads, Paris Eternal adds Dove parts ways with Glister. The Overwatch League's Mid-Season Madness Tournament qualifiers kick off on June 16th, but the Paris Eternal is still switching up its DPS lineup. Paris announced today that it's bringing on Hitscan DPS Dove, a North American Overwatch contender's staple. In turn, DPS Glister and the Paris Eternal have mutually decided to part ways. The decision to part ways with Glister, quote, has nothing to do with competitiveness, according to a tweet by the team's general manager, Avala. She noted he performed, quote, exceptionally well in the kickoff clash tournament cycle, but referenced adjustment to the Eternals' Western-centric roster as a possible reason for his departure. In his stead, Dove will rise up for the Eternal. Any fan of the Overwatch contenders scene has likely seen Dove compete on one of the many teams he's been a part of over the past three years, which includes Odyssey, Ardor, and most recently Solaris. Known for his hitscan proficiency, Dove will be expected to pick up heroes like Cassidy, Widowmaker, and Sojourn for Paris. Um, again, you know, player movement, right? Uh, sad to see Glister going, especially, um, you know, the, the way they kind of talk about him having challenges integrating with the roster because, I mean, he was on the San Francisco Shock this past season and he seemed to integrate just fine with them. Obviously, they didn't see um, the highest level of success last season, but uh, they did seemingly... Uh, perform at a high level regardless so you know not too sure what ha what's going on there but uh regardless sad to see glister go hopefully he does stay in the scene because he is definitely a a pretty good pickup for most teams i would say um he's, he's quite talented but also exciting to see another player coming up from the contender circuit uh and and if you watch this past season past week's game sorry um you would have seen dove play uh, in the Paris versus New York Excelsior match, where I thought uh, Dove performed pretty well, and overall Paris stomped over the uh, the Excelsior. So good to see that, especially if you're a Paris fan. 
Moving on from there, we're going to jump over to Jinx.tv with an article by Andres Aquino, which reads, Overwatch League's team signs Marvel roster to reportedly pay for his salary. A bizarre report has surged courtesy of Overwatch League insider Aaron Halospack, who reported that the signing of main tank Marvel for the Los Angeles Valiant will be partially financed by the coaches and roster themselves. How? According to Halo, they'll pay for Marvel's salary. Quote, Keen to have Marvel in the squad, head coach Nohill and the rest of the team will pay for part of the tank's wages out of pockets, back mentioned in his report to Dex, for Dexerto. The Los Angeles Valiant Immortals Gaming Club's Overwatch League franchise has seen its budget cut dramatically over the last couple of seasons as IGC is looking to save money amid an uncertain pandemic period. In 2021, IGC brought LG Huya to manage the operations involving the Valiant franchise, letting go of their entire Western and Korean roster and coaching staff in favor of an all-Chinese team just weeks before the start of Season 4. Sadly, they weren't able to bring top talent from the region, having to scrape by poaching players that hadn't taken part in competitive Overwatch in years. The result was a disastrous 0-16 season record. For 2022, the Valiant, which is still operated by LGE, is trying to become a more legitimate endeavor. The team ended with a 1-5 record in the kickoff clash qualifiers, winning against the Chengdu Hunters, and going to map 5 versus 2021 Owl Champions Shanghai Dragons, Hangzhou Spark, and eventual kickoff clash winners Seoul Dynasty. While there's still plenty of work to be done, adding the likes of Dia and Sassen and more are bringing legitimacy to the renovation with Marvel seen as the last piece of the puzzle to fill their tank position. Marvel is a hot commodity within the Overwatch League after having spent three seasons with the Seoul Dynasty reaching 2020's Grand Finals. 2022 saw the Korean player move to North America to compete alongside the Boston Uprising, where things didn't work out for him, leaving the team during the kickoff clash qualifiers and being poached by the Valiant in a shocking move due to the player's potential high salary demands. In a report by Dot Esports, they revealed the 2020 uh, Overwatch League salary cap was set at $1.6 million. If teams went above the mentioned threshold paying roster salaries, they'd have to not only cover the cost of said salaries, but pay the league a luxury tax that would then be distributed to non-offending teams. After the U.S. Department of Justice opened an investigation into this situation, both OWL and the Call of Duty League dropped their salary cap and luxury tax for 2022, according to several reports. It's highly unlikely that Valiant is financing Marvel marvel's salary in the way they are to avoid hitting any sort of salary cap if there even is one to begin with rather this is an absurd way for a team on a tight budget to punch above their weight by signing a reliable potentially season-changing player at the time of writing both the overwatch league and the valiant have yet to issue a statement of some kind regarding the reports of marvel's salary being partially funded by coaching staff and players so there you have it um i apologize i stumbled a little bit there there's there's a lot of a lot of words in some of these articles but uh i digress a very interesting situation um especially given marvel uh leaving the boston uprising and then very very suddenly coming over to the valiant it does make you wonder if you know talks had already been happening if uh maybe marvel wanted to come back to the east for whatever reason um or just wasn't feeling things were going well with the Boston Uprising, which I mean, to be fair, uh, they're not. However, Boston does at least seem to be doing marginally better than the Los Angeles Valiant, at least. But I digress. Um, the the bigger questionable part in all of this is, of course, the fact that his salary might be funded by the team. If that's true, the league obviously has some uh, some work to do, as uh, that should not be happening, um, especially, especially given the fact that uh, it's... You have to assume that players were not truly given a choice in that conversation. Um, you know, when presented with something like that, it was probably a bit of a case of uh, agree to this or you're out, right? Um, now, obviously, I'm speculating there. But I digress. Uh, very interesting situation. I, I don't even know what to say too much about it because it is, you know, in the East, they obviously have a ton of different rules and regulations and restrictions and laws that they have to abide by and also things that they can do or work around that we don't necessarily worry about um over in the uh eastern region or on top of sorry in the western region or on top of that uh it's not that they don't have those or we don't have those it's just that they're different right different cultures different countries different places different rules different regulations different laws so it is a very interesting situation. Um, I would hope that the league being sort of the governing body has some say and is looking into it and will hopefully either make a statement or uh, 
put pressure on the organization and uh, force them to make things right if they are in fact not right now this this is obviously all speculation this could be entirely wrong it's a this is a bit of a speculative article um speculative report coming from halo of course which halo we all know um i think has a pretty good track record especially with reporting this past season however of course um he does you know sometimes mince words a little bit and twist them to uh to his own liking so anyways i digress an interesting story, one that is all sorts of confusing, um, and hopefully will have, hopefully has a good ending, and hopefully we do hear more about it. But I digress. Let's move over to an a and sorry about that. Let's move over to a website that I don't think I've ever read from. However, once I get in there, you'll understand why. So this is actually coming from PRNewsWire.com with an article that was actually uh, the the news was quote unquote provided by action media which is of course who the article is about so the article reads like this action media named an official content production partner for 2022 season of overwatch league and call of duty league this was of course uh came out today june 22nd vancouver bc june 2020 uh, sorry june 22nd 2022 action media is proud to announce that it has been named an official content production company for the 2022 season of the overwatch league and call of duty league this pivotal announcement comes after a successful three-year deal with the activision with activision blizzard producing highlight videos for the overwatch league for the 2022 season of overwatch league action media is expanding its mandate and working with blizzard entertainment to produce post-game match highlights video content for broadcasts and other work behind the scenes as a content production company in addition, the 2022 season will mark the first time Action Media produces match highlights for the Call of Duty League. Quote, These production contracts for the global franchises were awarded to Action Media for an, uh, our uncanny ability to create content that truly resonates with the global esports fans. End quote, says Roger Chan, CEO of Action Media. Quote, Action's handpicked team understands the storytelling needed to enhance the overall fan experience, and we're thrilled to continue our relationship with Activision Blizzard. End quote. The Overwatch League is a professional esports league, blah, 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 blah. And then it just goes into a little bit about Overwatch League, Call of Duty League, and of course, what action media is. So anyways, wanted to bring this one up, uh, sort of a side of the business that we don't frequently talk about, that we don't frequently hear too much about. Um, but good to see, especially given that it's a good old fashioned Canadian uh, company. So exciting stuff for action media, exciting stuff for the uh, for Activision Blizzard, and of course exciting to see that they will continue producing this this uh, content. I do, in fact, actually uh, enjoy what the uh, uh, Overwatch League channel puts out on YouTube and everything like that. The highlight reels that they make and the breakdowns that they do and everything. I think they do actually have a pretty good grasp and good understanding of what the Overwatch League is and what they want to present uh, through their YouTube channel. So there you have it. Next up, let's move on over to Dexerto with an article by Philip Trahan, which reads, Overwatch 2 devs confirm in-game credits and more will transfer over, but there's a catch. The Overwatch 2 development team confirmed that in-game currencies like OWL tokens and competitive points will carry over from Overwatch with a bit of a catch. Blizzard Entertainment has slowly been giving out new information surrounding Overwatch 2 following the major release reveal live event held on June 16th. The game's director, Aaron Keller, also spoke in interviews about things like Overwatch 2 leaving behind loot boxes and new maps coming to the game. Now, more details surfaced from a Reddit AMA held by 10 members of the Overwatch 2 development team, including how Overwatch 2 will handle legacy currency going forward. The topic came about when one Reddit user asked how Blizzard will handle Overwatch 1 currencies in the sequel, with Overwatch's commercial lead, John Spector, confirming that all older currencies and points will transfer over to Overwatch 2. This means players can expect Overwatch's in-game credits, OWL tokens, and competitive points to show up in their account when Overwatch 2 launches. However, this did not come without a caveat. According to Spectre, Overwatch 1 credits will transfer, but, quote, our new virtual currency will be the main currency, and there will be things in Overwatch 2 that will not be purchasable with those Overwatch 1 credits. That means that players... Well, players will likely have some use for older in-game currencies, it likely won't take precedence over the new currency debuting in Overwatch 2. Spectre also clarified what will happen to any unopened loot boxes in players' accounts, in that they will simply receive the contents of each loot box en masse. This seems to be good news as some players, like Dr. Underscore Steven Scuba, simply figured Overwatch 1 currencies would simply be kept to the original game or would be unusable in the sequel. Other users, such as Aridan speculate Overwatch currency will be used on freemium items and that 
quote, the use of coins will be infinite, I'd imagine, once you bought the base items. That's it. They have no more use and everything else comes out from the battle pass. Fans will just have to wait and see how Blizzard plans to use that legacy currency in Overwatch 2, but for now, all we know is that they will carry over and have some use. So there you go. Uh, that's kind of an exciting one that broke from the AMA. There, there were a few sort of little tidbits we got from the AMA, um, this being one of them. Um, none of the other ones are jumping out at my jumping out at me right this very second. Um, but if you if you're curious, go look at, look at uh, the AMA because it does have some interesting tidbits. This one, I think, is kind of a bigger one because it is one of the few things that we will definitely see sort of carry over directly from Overwatch 1 to Overwatch 2. And in fact, I know a lot of people that are just sitting on their points because there's nothing they really want to spend them on or sitting on loot boxes. Um, myself included, actually, very, very recently, like in the past few months, I finally stopped opening my loot boxes. I this, this whole time I've been playing, I always just, I hate that little new button flashing there next to your uh, loot boxes. So I would always go in and open them, but I started just getting so many duplicates. Um, I mean, I've been getting duplicates for a long, long time now, but I started to just feel like, why am I doing this? I may as well save them for Overwatch 2 and just see if some, you get something new, see if they give you anything like that. Now, hearing this, of course, I don't think they're going to. Um, the fact that they're going to just open by default as soon as you log in is, I mean, it's, it is what it is. I guess if I want the satisfaction of holding down the X button to, to open those loot boxes, maybe I'll do that. Um, and I, I mean, I don't even have a ton stacked. I think I have maybe like two to five, maybe 10 at most, but I digress. Um, it's interesting because you'll log into the game, you'll just have all those unlocks for the characters. Assumedly, if it functions similar to Overwatch 1, you go to the hero select screen um, uh, without loading into a game, you, the hero gallery, sorry. You go to your heroes and then you can just rifle through uh, through the things that you have now gained for them, right? Um, and they'll just be flagged with a new icon or, or whatever like that. Um, if that's the case, I mean, I certainly don't mind that. Again, the only thing you're really missing out on is holding down the X button to unlock those. Assumedly as well, if you get any duplicates, it will just convert the duplicate into the currency that it usually does. I think it gives you 50, uh, 50 Overwatch tokens or uh, whatever the heck it's called. Um, but the more interesting part here, Overwatch 1 credits, whatever. The more interesting one part here is the fact that you won't be able to use all of the currency on everything in the new game. I wouldn't have thought of doing it that way in my mind um it would have it would have been a I, I don't know i hadn't really wrapped my head around it i just kind of assumed the currencies would stay the same you'd still be able to buy skins for however much um that gives them a really easy way to monetize the game outside of the battle pass uh you just allow people to buy the currency obviously um and they still could do that it seems like what we'll simply see is you'll have legacy overwatch one currency and you'll have new overwatch 2 currency and then you'll also of course have old owl tokens um and whatever whatever the third one was that they mentioned here in the in the article so the interesting thing is i would have what will these credits apply to right i would have to assume that um uh overwatch's in-game credits owl tokens and competitive points that's what the three were i would have to assume that the overwatch one in-game credits will simply only apply to Overwatch 1 skins, emotes, uh, basically anything from Overwatch 1. And the new uh, currency will apply to new things, right? That seems to make the most sense to me. Um, seems to seems to just kind of be the most obvious solution. Basically, we had our old currency systems. We're implementing new ones. One thing I would really like to see carry over is the Overwatch League tokens. Um, given you earn those from watching the Overwatch League and obviously... Uh, the Overwatch League is being played on Overwatch 2 right now and everything like that. I feel like that one makes sense that you could just directly carry it over. I'm not even sure if you can actually buy those Overwatch League tokens separately. I think you must be able to. They'd be silly not to monetize that. But I digress. I would like to see that currency stay the same or convert my old ones into new ones or something like that. If they simply say, no, you have to buy old Overwatch 1 stuff with that, I mean, I'm not going to be heartbroken because ultimately this doesn't really matter. I do have a fair amount of the old currency, um, uh, the, the not the Overwatch League tokens, although I do have a fair amount of those. But the, the main currency, I do have a fair amount of that as well. However, again, I'll be able to use that, assumedly, on uh, Overwatch 1 skins and things like that. So I will. So that's actually going to cover it for all of our main news stories this week. Now, 
there is one other smaller thing that I wanted to mention here. Let me just pull it up. There are actually a number of other cuts and movements and things like that around the league that I wanted to bring up here. Um, some of them I couldn't really find news articles. Some of them I just didn't find an article I like. Some of them were seemingly just Twitter announcements. That's most of the reporting I could find on them. Um, but I'm just going to quickly rifle through them. We'll do kind of a, uh, a quick fire kind of thing. So the Los Angeles Valiant, of course, we know they made a move or have made, seemed to be making a move with Marvel. Um, they also added Molly and they cut Coldest and Wu Yall. Atlanta, the Atlanta Reign added Silence in a coaching position. The New York Excelsior adds Ho One. I'm not actually sure if that's Ho One or Hoy or what it is in the flex support role. Um, now that's a bit of an interesting one because, of course, last week we talked a little bit. Um, I'm not even sure if we talked about it on One Man Watchpoint or Ready Set Pwn, which you can find on podcast services everywhere. Uh, but we did talk a little bit about it on one of those shows about the fact that the New York Excelsior had actually uh, sort of penciled their head coach as a team member uh, given they were releasing Vulcan in the tank position. So in order to reach that uh, league minimum six players required, it seemed like they were putting their coach as a player, but obviously that could have just been a placeholder as they were waiting to announce this uh, this new signing. So anyways, and then finally the Guangzhou charge cut Eileen, one of the uh, sort of OG players from around the league. So um, there you have it. Those are Those are the kind of other cuts that I wanted to mention. Now, the next thing we have to talk about is the big one. So, of course, the Overwatch 2 reveal event happened. This was back on, pulling up a calendar here, June 16th. I believe that was, yep, Thursday of last week. So by the time you're listening to this, probably about a week ago, um, you'll be listening to this on Thursday the 23rd or after, I'm sure. But it was about 45 minutes long, it was streamed on YouTube, and for all intents and purposes, I thought they did an amazing job. Um, some of the production was a little bit weird, some of the positioning or, or the blocking of just where they, uh, Aaron Keller and I forget who the other guy was, I apologize to him, uh, were sitting on the couch compared to Zoe. It was a little bit interesting, but I digress. Overall, the information we got, the reveals we got, the announcements we got, absolutely stellar. So I want to go to playoverwatch.com here with a news article on June 16th that kind of recaps everything they talked about. Um, and then we can kind of dive into it a little bit more, dissect it a little bit and that kind of thing. So let's get in there. The article starts this week. We shared something near and dear to the team's heart. Overwatch is back. Overwatch 2 is releasing on October 4th as a free-to-play live experience, and we'd like to explain exactly what that means for our game. Overwatch 2 will have seasonal updates on a regular cadence and a battle pass that will feature new content, including new heroes, game modes, maps, cosmetics, and more. We'll also be outlining seasons 1 and 2 and plans extending into 2023 with a roadmap for the game. A free-to-play live experience. Making Overwatch 2 free-to-play is a natural step forward for our game and our players. Overwatch, even since its debut, has always been a social game, and our community has always has always has the most fun when we come together. That should be has always had. Anyways, free-to-play removes the barrier to entry, allowing anyone, anywhere, to jump into the game, group up with friends, or find people to play with online. Along with this shift to free-to-play, we'll also be adding cross-progression, enabling everyone to play, progress, and access their unlocked content seamlessly across all game platforms. There will be no loot boxes in Overwatch 2. Instead, the modernized live service will give our players the power to shape their own experiences. Players can acquire the items they want directly through the Battle Pass and an all-new consistently updated in-game shop. Our team will create and deliver seasonal content every nine weeks to ensure there's always something fresh and exciting waiting for everyone. Roadmap and Seasons on the roadmap below, you can find our short-term plans for Seasons 1 and Seasons 2, as well as our long-term goals to grow and develop the game into 2023 and beyond. Players can expect to see a new hero every other season, with elements like new maps and game modes in Seasons Between. They've then got this wonderful infographic that kind of outlines a lot of this stuff, which I'll come back to here in a minute. Season 1 will feature Sojourn, Junker Queen, and an unannounced 
super, uh, sorry, super support hero, as well as the new 5v5 PvP experience, reworked heroes, new maps and modes, and more. We're also releasing a reimagined competitive experience that was created to give players more tools to improve gameplay and feel a sense of progression in competitive play. Players will have more of an impact on individual matches with the shift to 5v5, and there will be additional systems in place to help you discern your contributions per match. More details on the competitive overhaul will be shared soon. Season 2 will introduce a new tank hero, map, and collective sorry collection of unique skins we'll also move the story forward with the release of the new pve experience in 2023 along with more new heroes maps and game modes we can't wait to share more information closer to release and finally a living ever evolving game We've always believed that Overwatch at its core should be a living game. Overwatch stands for inclusivity, open-mindedness, and community. These pillars led to the change in our strategy to deliver new heroes, maps, and modes on a frequent basis because we believe this is what's best for our players and our game. We are bringing the game to more people than ever and expanding the world of Overwatch in a way that has everyone more excited than ever. There are incredible times ahead of us, and we can't wait to share them with you. So there you have it. That's kind of a the the official recap from the Overwatch uh, team. And of course, let's jump back to that infographic because I think it does a nice job of kind of, I mean, summarizing the summary that we just went over. So first of all, it starts Overwatch 2. The action begins October 4th. They've got this game preview section here, which outlines free-to-play live service, PvP reimagined, seasonal model, cross-progression, pve experiences and then of course they break down each one of those free-to-play live service um, exactly what it sounds like pvp reimagined uh new 5v5 experience new heroes new maps reworked heroes new modes etc seasonal model uh free updates every nine weeks to ensure there's always something new cross progression play progress and access your content seamlessly across multiple game platforms pve experience push the story forward through pve experiences beginning in 2023 then on the bottom of the infographic, they've got the content roadmap, which outlines October 4th, season one begins, three new heroes. We, of course, know that to be Sojourn, Junker Queen, and the unannounced support hero. Six new maps, 30 plus new skins, new battle pass, new mythic skin, new game mode. Season two then begins on December 6th, where they have a new tank hero. They have another new map, 30 plus new skins, a new battle pass, and a new mythic skin as well. Then they have 2023 future seasons listed, which outlines new heroes, new maps, new skins, new battle passes, new modes, PvE begins. So there's a lot to talk about there. Um, let's kind of just, I feel like, start at the top. We finally have the confirmation of free-to-play uh, live service game. Something that I think 99% of us knew. If you've been involved in the first-person competitive gaming side of things at all in the past I don't know, probably two to four years, pretty well, you know, a couple years after Overwatch 1 released. This is kind of the model that we saw everything shift to. Now, the interesting part is Battle Passes existed in a lot of the uh, multiplayer sides of um, first-person shooters and third-person shooters, um, competitive games in general, before... I think we saw a lot of the, this bigger shift for, to free-to-play. But I think in my mind, at least, it really was Fortnite that kind of forced that shift to not only having the Battle Pass, but being entirely free-to-play. That just creates such a low barrier to entry that I think this is why we see games like uh, Call of Duty's Warzone, uh, Apex Legends, uh, like I said, Fortnite, obviously. And then, I mean, there's there's countless others, but popping up um, on smaller scales. But this is why we see them be as popular as they are in a lot of ways, because they're free to play, which means the barrier to entry is literally zero. I mean, realistically, you have to have something that can play the game. So either a PC, uh, you know, a laptop, um, a console of some sort, for the most part, I believe, um, at least Overwatch 1 was available on almost everything. Other games, very similar. So that's your barrier to entry. Do you have access to play games, generally speaking? If you do, and an internet connection, obviously, because it's online, you download the game, you can play. The battle pass is where things get interesting because I think uh, it, it has the potential to really incentivize people to keep playing. Um, it also, hopefully, will include uh, the option to earn the currency that will allow you to purchase a new battle pass, which I believe we actually got uh, some rumblings of today. I didn't see any sort of official announcements about it so i didn't put it in the news side of the show um but i believe i did see that in game the battle pass will cost about 1000 tokens to purchase um 
keep that in the back of your mind because we'll come back around to that in just a moment here. Anyways, free-to-play live service. If you've been playing first-person shooters, if you've been playing competitive online games in the past, like I say, two to four years, you knew this was coming. This is the only way to go, and this is the best possible way that they can get us in. I'm really excited for this um, because if I'm really into Overwatch, which I'm going to be at the start for sure, I'm going to get that battle pass day one, no questions asked, right? Um, I mean, assuming it's not outrageously overpriced, which I think the rumor right now is that it's going to be like 10 to 20 bucks, so there you go which probably means whatever 20 to 30 canadian but i digress um so there's that side of it i don't i totally lost my train of thought i'm excited for the battle pass um oh i know what i was gonna say if i am falling off the game for whatever reason if i'm just less interested if i'm gonna be busy guess what i don't have to buy it that's the thing anyone that's complaining about the battle pass system realistically you don't want it you don't buy it you still want to play guess what you can I see no real downside here as long as they're not locking things like um, actual game-changing mechanics and things like that behind the battle pass, which would be outrageous and just kind of crazy to think about. So I'm excited for this. Moving on from there, uh, they announced the roadmap, which is another thing that is just absolutely awesome and great to see. This is probably, in my mind, one of the biggest uh, stumbling points that we see a lot of live service games uh, fumble. Um, I think that once Fortnite kind of set the standard of look what we can do and how how rapidly they were adapting and changing and releasing new new uh, skins and new modes and uh, new play styles and new weapons and, and changes to the map and things like that, I think that really changed the industry and made it so that all of these other uh, competitors really have to step their game up. So I'm really excited to see that Blizzard is committing to this, even if the roadmap realistically is October through January, really. I mean, if season two starts December 6th, that really takes us to February, um, given the season will be about nine weeks long. I'm really excited to see that they've announced this and they've committed to this. What I really hope is to see that they keep this up. Once we get to December 6th, the clock is ticking. You have to announce, in my mind, at the start of the year, probably sometime in January, that's when you want to announce your next live stream, which will announce the further roadmap from there, where we get season three, four, maybe you go three, four, five, maybe you go three, four, five, six, maybe you do the rest of 2023. Wouldn't that be amazing? And like I say, this is one of the stumbling blocks that we see with a lot of uh, live service games. One big one that comes to mind is Avengers. Uh, the Avengers game that came out from Crystal Dynamics, I believe, um, published by Square they've really struggled with the content roadmap. I think they've they've announced things and then not necessarily been able to stick to them. But in the beginning, they also didn't announce a lot. They kind of have been a little bit wishy-washy on, on actually saying when these things are coming or not. So I digress. The point is, as long as they can stick to this, and if they can't, all they got to do is communicate. In my mind, be clear. Put the word out there. Don't leave us hanging. Don't come to you know, the first week of February, and we're all sitting there like, when's the next season start? Maybe we even have a countdown in the game saying, oh, season starts, whatever it would be, February 9th or whatever, um, February 8th, whatever it would be. But we need to know what's coming. Um, and, and it is not need like we actually need, but if you want to keep maintaining this live service and you really want to be one of the top dogs like Fortnite, like Apex Legends, like Valorant, you need to keep people on the hook. You need to keep that information circulating and make a big pop every time you have an announcement. So I digress. I was really excited when they actually showed us a roadmap and said, here's what plans look like from October through to the new year. Um, the only sort of disappointment that I really saw here was PVE coming in 2023, which Honestly, they talked in the past about the decoupling of PvP and PvE. Now, obviously, on my last episode, I also talked a lot about the fact that I thought it was a little disingenuous to say Overwatch 2 is releasing on October 4th, because in my mind, the bulk of Overwatch 2 is not the PvP side. Um, that is the iteration on Overwatch 1. The PvE side of things is the bulk of Overwatch 2. That is what really makes it Overwatch 2, not just Overwatch 1.5. If you want to, 1. Point, let's call it 7.5, 1.8, right? Um, but 
unfortunately, you know, that's what we got. All we got is the announcement that it'll be coming in 2023. The hope is that, of course, the first season in 2023 is when we get some of that PvE. Is that going to be the case? Who knows? That does buy them. You know, essentially, I mean, we got six months left in the year, plus two, we got about eight months left. Could they get something out by then? Who knows? Your guess is as good as mine. Now, one of the things that they didn't really dive into in this sort of content summary is, of course, the Mythic skins, which they have since given some information on. Um, So I'm actually just, let me go through the content roadmap there for the October 4th, just so we can kind of touch on each of those items. So first we have the three new heroes, which, as I mentioned, Sojourn, Junker Queen, Unannounced Support Hero. Um, One thing I didn't actually include in this sort of roundup of things is the details about Junker Queen. If you want them, if you want to know her kit, if you want to see her abilities, look it up. One thing I highly encourage you to do is, of course, look up the reveal trailer for her, because as always, you know, Blizzard just doing a stellar job with uh, with those announcement trailers. I just love their full cinematics and everything like that. So go check that out. Um, but we know she's coming. We've seen her. We know her kit. We're excited for her. Um, anyways, Sojourn, Junker Queen, and Unannounced Support Hero, which most people are speculating we got teases of in the reveal uh, live stream, but I'm not going to really go there right now. Six new maps. Um, so, of course, we know a few of those. We've seen New Queen Street. We've seen uh, Coliseo. We've seen Circuit Royale. We've seen the New York one that I always freaking forget the name of. I don't know why I always forget it. The one with the fire station and all that kind of jazz. Um, so that's at least four. We also know that some of the other new maps that are coming, we know there's a Rio map coming. We know that there's a uh, Gothenburg map coming, uh, which heavily features sort of, uh, I think, Torbjorn's factory and things like that. We also, I think, got our first look at another new map, which was uh, Portugal. So they've got some room there. I would assume Portugal is further on the horizon, and the other ones I mentioned are the new ones that will be uh, available on October 4th, but I digress. Exciting stuff there. 30-plus new skins. No surprise there, really, um, given how many heroes we have. You, you have to assume... I mean... Knowing the Overwatch team, we're probably not getting even at least one new skin for each hero. We're probably getting, you know, a couple new skins for a bunch of heroes, um, just because that seems to be the way they work, but I digress. Battle Pass, we already talked about, of course. New game mode is going to be the push game mode, of course. But then we have the new Mythic skins. So like I said, they have since talked about them, and the one that they've kind of shown off is uh, Skin for Genji. And I'm really excited about these because a few weeks back, I talked about something very, very similar to this. I actually theorized that this would be something I would like to see. Now, they've actually taken it probably a step further than I speculated. Um, I think what I kind of talked about was rather than having these skins where it's like, hey, uh, so you got, let's say, just for example, you got Sojourn's default skin, right? It's the kind of white with with some black and, and highlights of red. But then you've got another flavor of that one, but it's just, you know, tinted yellow, or it's, it's primary colors yellow. Then you've got one where it's primary colors blue. Then you've got one where it's prim- primary colors green. I had said what I would like to see is you basically have default, but then you can say, I want default red, default white, or I guess white would be the default, uh, default green, default purple, default red, default yellow. And it simply changes sort of the color palette applied to the skin. I had suggested that that would be a good way to go about it and even give us the freedom to do that on any major skin because then you have um i'm just trying to think uh of a good example of one so reinhardt is a great example where you have the bloodheart and the uh blackheart skins and you also now have a remix of i I forget what it's called um whatever we'll call it whiteheart because it is basically the exact same skin but it is white with sort of a green glow instead of a red fiery glow So in my mind, it would have been one of those is the default skin. Maybe you start with, I don't know, Blackheart, for example. But then you can change it to the red variant, which is Bloodheart. You can change it to the white variant, which which is whatever Whiteheart we're just calling it, for example. Um, I would have thought that you could group all those together. But with these Mythic skins, they're kind of taking that idea to a whole new level. So what they announced about it was that you'll be able to customize sort of it seems like different parts of the skin so in this genji one that they uh have talked about they they have some concept art out about it you should go look it up where they kind of show off um what he looks like with this myth mythic skin they're developing so what they've shown is you have sort of the skin for genji which is uh whatever whatever it is i'm not sure that they've announced a name for it um 
but they're giving you a ton of agency over it. So it looks like you'll be able to, yes, change sort of the color palette like I just discussed. Um, so in the one they've shown off for Genji, it seems like he probably starts as kind of a a default uh, red skin. He's, he's kind of, I mean, topless in this one, and he's got black pants. But then they let you customize, okay, so you've got the option to change the color palette. So maybe instead of red skin, he's got kind of more green skin, and then he's got kind of more uh, dark brown pants. Then they also have one where it looks like he's got almost black skin, but then you've also got uh, sort of these, these dark green pants. So that's one layer. Then they also kind of showed that, or, or at least have been implying, that you also have the ability to customize things like these tattoos. So he's kind of got these uh, different colored uh, tattoo sleeves on each of these skins. So on the red uh, sort of base skin, the tattoos appear to be kind of blue, purple, kind of teal, turquoise colors. Then over on the, the black one, the tattoos appear to be kind of pink and teal. And then on the, uh, the, other, the other one that's kind of tan or green, uh, the tattoos appear to be kind of this neon, this almost, uh, almost, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, nuclear green color. They're almost glowing, right? Um, and then beyond that, they've also kind of shown that you might even be able to customize things like the face. So it's like Genji's got a mask on in each of these, and you can change the style of the mask. So on one of them, it's, uh, kind of an angry face on the other one it's kind of a glaring face on the other one it's kind of uh, a happy face or whatever and then on top of that they've each got a different hair color as well so i really think this is kind of taking what i had talked about and just blowing it up and taking it to a whole new level now what i actually did is i pulled up an article here from dottiesports.com by ethan garcia on june 16th where he kind of goes over some of this um so he's talking about mythic skins are a new tier being introduced into the highly anticipated sequel rarer than existing legendary tier of skins it's unclear how mythic skins will be obtained though it was revealed that a new mythic skin will debut each season um I'm skipping through the article here a bit just to try and get the meat and potatoes out of here. The only mythic skin revealed thus far is Genji, uh, and it's being referred to as Cyber Demon. Concept art for the skin includes various colors and designs for the overall look of the skin, as well as subtle changes players can make to Genji's mask and tattoos. More mythic skins for other heroes are set to be released. Uh, that's and, and that's basically all they all they say in this article. But I digress. Like I say, the point is, looks like they're really kind of taking... I mean, obviously, it's not like they got the idea from me. It's not, you know, they've obviously been working on this for a long time. But it's exactly what I talked about. I'm excited to see that it is a entirely new tier of skin. Um, hopefully, they will be, you know, kind of not necessarily exceedingly rare, but um, um, hopefully they really take some work to obtain so that when you see someone with them, you, you really kind of know uh, holy cow, this person's, you know, kind of gone all out uh, to get this. I, I could also see them, you know, tying these things into things like achievements, which would, which in my mind would be kind of awesome. Um, I'm a big trophy guy on, on PlayStation. I would love to love to really have some further incentive to work on, on obtaining those. Uh, so. so there you go. Um, anyways, enough talk about Mythic skins. Um, I'm excited for them, obviously. Very obvious. That's kind of the bulk of... The Overwatch 2 news, with the exception of one thing that I did say, remember this, and we'll come back to this. So the news that kind of started trickling out today is that it seems like a battle pass might cost 1,000 currency. The reason I bring that up is because they've also announced, and actually, did I even, you know what, I didn't even say this in the recap that I just read. Uh... Yeah, I totally skipped over it. They also announced the next round of beta. <laughs> so beta signups are live. Go Google Overwatch 2 beta sign up and you'll find the link. But they announced that the beta goes live on June 28th again. I think the rumor is right now that it uh, lasts until about July 17th, um, which is, you know, pretty standard, pretty much the same amount of time as the previous beta, which is awesome. Um, so you can sign up for it. And obviously it is luck of the draw if you want to get in. But the other side of that is they also announced the Overwatch Watchpoint pack, um, which is going to run you about $55 Canadian. And I say Canadian, obviously, because I am in Canada here. And what does that include? That includes the guaranteed beta access on June 28th. So that is a big one, obviously. Really exciting. You basically get, I mean, you do get guaranteed access to the beta. Um, easy way in. You actually get the Overwatch uh, legendary edition. So you get a copy of the game with five legendary skins, five epic skins. 
nothing too groundbreaking there, although hopefully the skins are something I don't have. On top of that, on October 4th, with the launch of Overwatch 2, you get the Season 1 Premium Battle Pass. So there you go, you're getting gifted the Battle Pass for free, which obviously this is a bit of a, this is essentially the new version of a pre-order bonus because it's a free-to-play game. Um, Because it's free-to-play, they can't really count pre-orders or anything like that. Although I think on most systems you can, you know, pre-register to download it as soon as it's available or whatever but this is really what they're they're kind of banking on you also get two overwatch 2 legendary skins the space raider Sol- soldier 76 and space raider cassidy which both look awesome you get an overwatch 2 player icon and on top of that you get 2000 in-game currency so again this is specifically why i said let's come back to that because first of all they're saying if you get this watchpoint pack you get the season one battle pass already one and done you're you're all set you're good to go you then are given 2000 currency which means if you don't spend any of that currency and if the season battle pass does in fact cost 1000 currency you've now got enough for a season two battle pass and a season three battle pass which is absolutely awesome on top of all of that one thing that is up in the air right now but i personally am definitely crossing my fingers for is that a game like Fortnite actually allows you throughout the Battle Pass um, to earn enough currency to earn a new Battle Pass. So if you play through the entire season, you will have earned enough currency to purchase the next season's Battle Pass with that in-game currency. So in theory here, they're giving you the Battle Pass to Season 1, they're giving you enough currency to buy Seasons 2 and 3, and on top of all that, you might even be able to earn enough currency to purchase future battle passes as well so i really think the value that they're providing here is simply uh outstanding in my mind if this game were releasing as a traditional release uh traditionally a 60 dollars game which i mean the price has even gone up here in canada but traditionally this would be a 60 dollars game i mean overwatch one was 60 dollars. i'm actually spending less than that to get this which gives me a Early access to the game gives me the chance to test it out and make sure I'm happy with it. Um, gives me a ton of goodies for when the game does arrive. And on top of that, gives me access to uh, those future seasons as well. So I'm very excited for this. I see basically no downside to this Watchpoint pack. Um, yes, there is an element of they haven't necessarily uh, shown off exactly what's going to be in it they've they've kind of talked about things like an overwatch 2 player icon um at one point when they first revealed it it was you're given two legendary skins and more and at that point it was like what the heck does that mean like you got to show me what the value is here but i think this shows the value and i'm very excited for this so with all of that said get in there get your watchpoint pack if you're interested if not sign up for the beta you know i'm going to be in there um one thing i didn't mention they actually also announced that the beta is going to be cross-platform so it will be available on consoles which is great for me obviously i'm really excited for that and you know what i am lucky enough to be flying solo shortly after june 28th for a good period of time that i think i'll get some serious time in with overwatch 2 so i'm very excited And with that, that actually brings us to the end of the news segment of our show. So obviously, uh, we kind of front-loaded things a little bit there with the mostly Overwatch League news and things like that. And then this sort of back half of the show has obviously been the Overwatch 2 recap roundup. All of that said, we do, of course, have Overwatch League to talk about. So what I'm actually going to do here is I'll go into the recap. Uh, I will tell you the scores of this past week's games. But I'm not actually going to go too much into the games just because that would take probably longer than you want to spend listening to me drone on about Overwatch. And then I'll do my uh, pickums just so we all know that it's out there, just so you can hold me accountable when I inevitably crush this weekend's upcoming games. <sighs> AFK! All right, and we're back. And it's time to recap this past week's game. So, of course, we saw uh, the most recent tournament cycle, which I can't remember the name of off the top of my head, uh, kickoff this past weekend. It was June 16th through June 19th with the Western Region Games uh, for Week 1. We did not have any Eastern Region Games, um, but they will be returning to play this upcoming week. So, first on Thursday, June 16th, at 1 p.m., we had the London Spitfire taking on the Florida Mayhem, and London came out on top 3-2 in a shocking win. 
At 2.30 p.m., we have the San Francisco Shock taking on the Dallas Fuel. And in probably another shocking win, uh, the San Francisco Shock took the dub with a 3-0 match. And, I mean, if I'm being real, the uh, shocking part of that is that it was a 3-0. I had predated a 3-2, but ultimately uh, I did pick San Francisco, and they were the winners. Then at 4 p.m., we saw the Washington Justice 3-1 the New York Excelsior. Then on Friday, June 17th, we saw the London Spitfire take on the Toronto Defiant. And unfortunately for all us Toronto fans out there, London rolled on over Toronto Defiant and took it 3-1. Then at 2.30, the Boston Uprising were defeated by the Atlanta Reign 3-2. And at 4 p.m., the Los Angeles Gladiators took on the Vancouver Titans under the direction of their new head coach, Depe. Then on Saturday, June 18th, we saw the Houston Outlaws beat the Washington Justice in a 3-2 win. At 2.30 p.m., we saw the Los Angeles Gladiators win over the Paris Eternal with a 3-1 victory. Then at 4 p.m., the Atlanta Reign managed to 3-0 the Dallas Fuel. So again, a pretty abysmal showing for the Dallas Fuel. Two 3-0 games against two top teams in the San Francisco Shock and the Atlanta Reign. Next up, on Sunday, June 19th, we saw the Florida Mayhem beat the Toronto Defiant in a 3-1 win. Then at 2.30 p.m., we saw the San Francisco Shock 3-0 the Boston Uprising, so two 3-0 wins for the San Francisco Shock. Then at 4 p.m., we saw the Paris Eternal get their first win of the season against the New York Excelsior with a 3-2 match, a match that I predated correctly. Then at 5.30 p.m., our final match of the game, of the weekend on Sunday, June 19th, we saw the Houston Outlaws 3-0 the Vancouver Titans. Another match that, I mean, I predated perfectly, but no big deal there. So that was last week's games. Now, this upcoming week, we are going to kick things off in the Eastern region, where we see on Friday, June 24th at 4 a.m. Mountain Time, the Los Angeles Valiant taking on the Philadelphia Fusion. I have put that game as a 3-1 win for the Philadelphia Fusion. Then at 5.30 a.m., we see the Seoul Dynasty taking on the Chengdu Hunters, and I have predicted that will be a 3-0 win for the Seoul Dynasty. Then we move on over to the Western region on Friday, June 24th. At 1 p.m., the... New York Excelsior are going to be beat by the London Spitfire. I have that as a 3-1. I was going to say I'm going to change it. I'm going to leave it as a 3-1. Definitely a 3-1. Then at 2.30 p.m., the Florida Mayhem are going to beat the Dallas Fuel in a 3-2 win. And at 4 p.m., the Atlanta Reign are going to beat the Vancouver Titans. I have it as a 3-1. I could see it being a 3-0, but I think the Atlanta Reign are going to take it 3-1. Then we're going to move on to Saturday, June 25th, kicking off at 4 a.m., the Guangzhou Charge are going to lose to the Hangzhou Spark, 3-2. At 5.30 a.m., the Shanghai Dragons are going to take on the Seoul Dynasty, a rematch from the Kickoff Clash uh, tournament. And I have the Shanghai Dragons coming out on top, 3-2. I'm excited to see Shanghai really step their game up um, and be back at full force this uh, tournament cycle. Then at 7 a.m., the Chengdu Hunters are going to lose to the Philadelphia Fusion, 3-1. We're going to move on over to the West after that. At 1 p.m. on Saturday, June 25th, the Toronto Defiant are going to beat the Washington Justice, 3-2. Then at 2.30 p.m., the San Francisco Shock will beat the Atlanta Reign, 3-1. Then at 5.30 p.m. to wrap up Saturday, June 25th, the Dallas Fuel are going to 3-1 the Vancouver Titans. Apparently, I'm giving the Vancouver Titans some some love this weekend, giving them one map against Atlanta and Dallas, which is going going to be two tough matches for them, that's for sure. Moving over to Sunday, June 26th, we will see the Los Angeles Valiant beating the Guangzhou Charge. That's right. I had the Valiant getting a win this weekend in a 3-2 manner. Then at 5.30 a.m., the Hangzhou Spark take on the Shanghai Dragons, and they will be beaten by the Shanghai Dragons, 3-1. And then we're going to move over to the West for our final three matches of the weekend on Sunday, June 26th. Kicking off at 1 p.m. in the West, we have the San Francisco Shock beating the Florida Mayhem 3-1. At 2.30 p.m., we will see the Los Angeles Gladiators continue their dominance against the Houston Outlaws, taking that win 3-1. And finally, wrapping up our weekend at 5.30 p.m., I think the Paris Eternal will get their second win of the season against the Boston Uprising in a 3-1 fashion. So that's going to be your upcoming week in games in the overwatch league now i do actually have 26 points on the uh on the overwatch league pickums this uh in this mid-season madness tournament i obviously am not doing too great because the crystal ball picks are worth like 24 points or something like that and i did not get them in on my uh on the kickoff clash which sucks because i missed out on all those points but 
hoping for a better turnout this tournament cycle. And with all of that said, that's actually going to bring us to the end of the show. So let's move on over to the outro. Ah, you must like me. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening to episode 77 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM. And you can follow me on all socials, especially Instagram and Twitter. And you can also, of course, reach out to me over on Twitter at Sir DRJM. You can tweet at me. You can DM me, whatever you want. Uh, bring me questions, comments, concerns, topics, inquiries, whatever you've got as they relate to Overwatch, the Overwatch beta, Overwatch 2, the Overwatch League, anything Overwatch, or anything video games in general. I do like games outside of Overwatch, and I do play many of them. Um, I'm currently actually working through Elden Ring. Um, I realize the game's been out for months now, but uh, it's a slow burn for me. But I'm making my way through it. I should get some good time with Elden Ring in the upcoming weeks here. Um and uh, make a lot of progress. I will actually be streaming that over on my Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash SirDRJM, just like all my other socials. Um, so come check things out there. Uh, drop by, drop a line, pop in the chat, say hi. Let me know that you came from One Man Watchpoint. I would I would really love that. That would be really exciting. Um, and we can just chat, hang out, and play some video games. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So leave us a follow <laughs> give us a follow leave us a review tell your friends all that fun stuff share the word preach the good word of one man watch point and of course also give a follow to the ready set pwn podcast um send them a subscription just like you would one man watch point uh where you can catch me as well as my two hosts alex and chris uh as we talk everything vancouver titans and toronto defiant in the week that was in overwatch that's going to be it for episode 77 of One Man Watchpoint. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next week. <laughs> Thanks for the love!